Okay. You know, Graham, it's 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 funny. It's like um, I always like hearing stories like like one of the game directors for Dark Souls. Like it's, it was a lot of it was inspired. Um, I hope I'm remembering this right. Of like, he he tried reading books in the library but didn't understand all the words, so he kind of had to piece it together. Or he went like exploring in the caves a lot. Okay. And I kind of wonder like what about card games inspired this developer to make Slay the Spire? I'm not sure. Was he a big Solitaire fan? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'll be honest. I didn't read any interviews with the devs or anything. Yeah, I'm just noticing here it was published by Humble Bundle. Oh, okay. Cool. I didn't realize Humble Bundle was a publishing company now. That's yeah, it's been, a, it's been a publishing company for a couple of years now, actually. Hmm. Cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Velvet Room Review. My name is Matthew. And I'm Graham. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Slay the Spire, um, which is a card-building roguelike. Yes. It's a... Card-building. Excuse me, deck-building. Deck-building. Yeah, you're building the decks to try to slay the titular spire. And um, by, like slaying monsters and adding new cards to your deck and taking away cards, uh, you kind of formulate a strategy for how you want to approach the game. Yeah, so kind of imagine like a mix of Hearthstone and like uh, FTL. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's got like the turn-based, well, yeah, turn-based of Hearthstone, but it's got a little bit of the world-building um and um, the kind of procedural narrative of FTL. Mm-hmm. You know, Graham, this game came out this year. It's a current release. It is? Yeah, early access started in 2017, but official release in January oh, okay. 2019. Uh, came out for the PS4 in May and the Switch in June. Mm-hmm. And what system did you play it on? I picked it up on the Switch. Okay, cool. Yeah. You played on the PC? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'm glad I picked it up on the Switch. Um, I'm a big trophy guy. And uh, after after playing this game for a couple hours, I don't think I would have had the... Uh, it's hefty. It's, uh, it's a big platinum in regards to the achievements. So, um, and I, I'm... I'm not negative on the game, but I'm not like in love with the game. But we'll get into that a bit more, I think. Um, yeah, kind of got that said, impression, but yeah, it, it it's nice to have. I love my Switch because it's it's. I mean, my consoles are easy to travel with. You just pick up the console and go to a new, new TV, right? But the Switch is especially nice if it's like a quick overnight trip somewhere, and you just have a couple of small games that you might not play anywhere else. So I'm I'm glad to have that one more thing to add to my switch library. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a good purchase there and it was only like, uh, I think I got it for like 25 bucks after I used up some coins. So, um, very fairly priced in my opinion in regards to, um, time to dollar ratio. There's a, there's a lot of content in the game, especially if you're willing to kind of 
dig into it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think um, I think I played the game for about seven or eight hours. Okay. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I guess the the past couple of days where I really started to di- dive a little deeper into quote unquote how the game should be played or, or strategies or things like that. Um, I but most of my experience were was just through um, trial and error essentially. Um, I never really looked up any builds per se. I looked up a couple of tips on Reddit mm-hmm. and um, kind of adjusted what what I the majority of the time before I looked for any tips, I was just adding cards to my deck nonstop. Um, and then I logically you realize that can only get you so far. Um, more cards is not necessarily better mean a better deck. So yeah, it's um. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's very much you want to be removing cards and keeping a small deck, which isn't immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think when I started out, because I started earlier in the year, and I had a friend who kind of gave me some tips to start out, and they were like, like, or I was, I think I watched a few playthroughs of his, and uh, yeah, it's like keeping a small deck and kind of working with synergies. It's a it's a strong way to play. Yeah, and 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 you don't learn that necessarily right off the bat because you are like for example the first couple hours I'm just taking all these cards that seem okay, right? I don't really know how these cards will play with one another. Yeah. Um, up until you learn more about the game, so um, even in these past couple of like rounds that I've had, I've had really good. Um, how would you define synergy before I use the term? So synergy, I'd say, basically is when you play a card, it has an effect that works well with another card. So if you have a card that right. makes you gain strength and you've got um, abilities that scale well off strength, then that would be considered a synergy. Yeah, so I picked up a card um, from the from the the beginning whale guy. I don't know what... Does he have mm-hmm. a name? Um, that meow or something? Yeah. He, uh, every turn, every single turn, uh, you get two strength. And it, oh, demon form. Uh, yes, I think. And it's for scales. the ironclad. Yeah, for the ironclad, which yeah. is my, I think my preferred class to play. But um, we'll get that into that later. Um, but that was awesome, because um, one of my favorite cards is also I think it's called anger costs nothing and when you play it it spawns a duplicate copy of itself mm-hmm. um and so i was trying to pull together cards that um obviously played off strength as many anger cards as i could or zero cost cards to kind of uh, filter through my uh my deck to get that um card first and i have one card also that um when you play it it doubles your strength mm-hmm. so i never got to use that synergy unfortunately because uh I didn't get far enough in my run, but it was, it kind of clued to me like, oh, here's this one card that if I build my deck around this card will lead me to victory. I just need to get there. And uh, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes, you know, um, there are like five or six different types of encounters 
you, you go into. One's a normal battle with random enemies. One uh, is a enemy called an elite, which is kind of like a mini boss you have to fight. They're pretty difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's this. Uh, there's the event uh, tile where it's either um, some strange encounter through a text box where you can make choices about upgrading cards, getting rid of cards, or or risking some health to get some relics, or it's just another encounter. Um, there are rest sites where you can either heal HP that you've lost or upgrade some of your cards. Um, and upgrading your cards is very important, but of course, keeping your health high is important as well. Uh, then there's the merchant tiles where you can buy uh, a selection of cards or relics, which are kind of like relics or pass, passive abilities um, mm-hmm. that are kind of always on you. Um, or you and can remove pay, cards. Yeah, you can pay to remove cards. Uh, and then there's the boss tile. So all all these tiles are laid out on this map, and you can map out because um, some some tiles connect to another. So you you can kind of map out right from the beginning. Okay, where do I think I want to go here? You know, what encounters do I want to take? Because maybe I can fight this elite, but then right afterwards, it's it's like bang 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 of enemies. Maybe that's not the best. You know, I'm at, I'm at half health. Maybe I shouldn't do that. So. Um, there is a lot of like as you learn more about the game you understand the risks and and the, the rewards better mm-hmm. um, when I initially started playing I would never fight elites and now as I play more I understand you need to fight elites to get potentially a relic that will really boost uh, your capabilities yeah and like the relic stack too so um I remember I did a silent run and there's a there's a relic that gives you one dexterity every time you play three attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was another one that was like every 10 attacks you play, you uh, your the 10th the attack deals double damage. Yep. And so yep. I had a, a deck that was about dealing, like playing lots of attacks to get the big hits in yeah on on one of my better runs i had uh that i think it's called needle pin maybe that attack one there but i also had one that um every six turns enemies deal one damage and Mm. so that was really and that stacked it's not like it resets every every battle it just stacks through all the battles so um that was really key for um like the long play because i could just block 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 and then on the turn where I knew I wouldn't take any damage or minimal damage, then I could hurt uh, or I could apply pressure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, you do start to feel like very powerful if, if the game works out for you uh, in that sense. The, the frustration I have a little bit, and uh, it got lesser as I learned more. Is that with mo- a lot of deck building games, I feel as though I could enter into a a, ba- a boss battle and you just get like, wiped. Not necessarily get wiped, but like be doomed to lose, right? Um, mm. Not necessarily because I have low health or whatever. It's just the cards that I need to pull, I won't pull, or the order I need to pull them in, I won't pull them in, right? It's just I feel like in my mind for some reason it's like i know mathematically uh, 
I could be playing a game where I can't win no matter what. And so I, it, the, it, I guess I, I, I felt difficult in, or I, I, I had difficulty feeling skilled in the game, because okay. in a game, in a game like FTL or Binding of Isaac, um, I, I'm, I'll talk about Binding a lot because I have a good frame of reference of that game. I play it a lot. It's just like, uh, you, your skill is not necessarily um, impacted by the random elements. Your skill is kind of aside from that in regards to like not taking damage and knowing enemy patterns and and dodging and and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like the randomness is just there to uh, make you stronger necessarily, um, and that's that keeps the game fresh and and whatnot. Here it's like not only are your pickups RNG, but your hands RNG too, essentially, unless you can really whittle down your deck. Um, so I, I I found that a, a little difficult. Um, yeah, cause because there's it, there's a few layers there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like like for example, it's this like it could be a turn where it's like okay, this enemy is gonna do 19 damage to me and it's gonna attack twice, and well, I don't I pulled no block cards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's over. <laughs> and and there's nothing you can do as the player to mitigate that in that moment, right? Um, one really good tip I read online is just like you have you 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 can't necessarily just be thinking about this encounter. You have to be thinking about the next encounter also. Um, and once I started getting in that mindset a little bit, I did find myself playing smarter. Um, because mm-hmm. it's like a less about taking risks to defeat an enemy faster. Right. Um, unless unless the enemy calls for that, right? There are some enemies that you want to defeat them as quickly as possible. Um, for the Ironclad, that's one of the characters, his starting relic is like he'll heal 6 HP every room, um, which means you can take 6 damage in every room, and it, it's a wash, right? So if you're not paying attention or if you're not thinking through that that through critically you can just say well i don't want to take any damage but if you're thinking more logically you can say i can take some damage just not yeah. too much um but then you're then you're risking a little bit in regards to saying well i'll take two damage next turn and hopefully or this turn and hopefully i'll take no damage next turn but you don't know what next turn is going to bring you yeah yeah no there's um that's a good point mm-hmm I mean, all, all in all, I I did enjoy the game, and like with most roguelikes, I think I will enjoy it more as I continue to play more. Um, I just don't think it's a game I'm going to sink 100 hours into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that the kind of neat thing about the game is that it does, like, the way that it's structured, it does kind of allow you to sink as much time as you want into it. Um, because there's like, there's the natural growth of you're learning the mechanics, Mm -hmm. um, and learning how to play better as you go along. But then there's also like an ascension system. Um, I don't know if you saw that online, but basically once you beat this, like once you beat act three, once with the character, um, you unlock an ascension level. Um, which is like the first one is the more elite spawn. 
Hmm. And then the second one is the uh, the enemies are deal more damage. Hmm. And it goes all the way up to 20. Um, and so that adds a lot of replayability of you, you, you're getting better at the game, so the game gets harder. But it's right. something that you can choose and something you can turn off. Right. Um, like I found actually playing on the first ascension and getting more elites was better because then I could um, I could pick up more relics. Ooh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, huh. Yeah, and um, there's also um, a secret fourth act. You actually almost beat the game. Um, I know. You were so, so close. close. At least two or three times, I got really close. It's hard. Basically, once you beat the third act, um, the like you reach the heart of the spire and you deal damage to it, but then you ultimately succumb to it. Um, just in a, like a little cutscene thing. Okay. But once you beat that with each character, you unlock the fourth act, uh, which is very very difficult hmm. um and it like i i've never beat it on a normal character wow. so um hmm. yeah it's um it, it definitely has a, a high skill level if you're um willing to put in some time yeah i and i have to give credit to the game here it does it a, f- a fantastic job of explaining everything to you um the in-game uh definition mechanic like there are are things like uh vulnerability weakness um dexterity strength like all these things that term all this terminology that means something and all that information is up front and for you at your fingertips mm-hmm. um and you can, you can understand what everything does how it affects things it gives you the math the hard math like Weak, weak. Uh, if you apply weakness, their attack goes down twenty five percent or something like that. Yeah. Um, whereas like other roguelikes don't really do that. Like Binding of Isaac does not do anything like that at all. You don't know what something does until you either Google it or like just visually see it. Um, and so yeah. that's a huge benefit for me in regards to. I think it's a big plus for the game because it allows you as the player to become much more aware of what's happening and how powerful an enemy is or isn't and how powerful you are or are not. Yeah, no, there's no uh there's no randomness in how much damage things do. Um or like you like with the the slimes, you always know that at 50% HP they split. Mhm. Um like especially once you know the pattern yeah it um you can like there's certain enemies you know exactly what you need to do mm-hmm. um yeah so i think that's that's one area where the randomness is is less yeah the the only only time you get caught is when you're not paying attention like for example i had a card um when i was playing as the defect which um you want to in, in some capacity you want to build focus uh, focus on that character i had a card that gave me four um focus and what i didn't really realize is that i also lost one focus uh every turn continually 
Um, some cards they'll give you two. They'll give you two strength, for example, and then at the end of the turn you lose that two strength, right? And that's and it's a wash. I didn't clue in that. Hey, every single turn for the rest of this encounter, I'm going to be losing focus. And so I used that card early on in an elite battle, and it totally wiped me out because I couldn't I couldn't finish the elite in those four turns, mm. and then every my entire deck was built around um, my orbs and less focus, make your orbs less uh, impactful, and essentially they they did nothing after about six turns. Um, and so my own uh, failure to understand the mechanic, uh, not because it was clearly, you know. It's written on the card. <laughs> I just didn't read it properly, right? Uh, until I witnessed it happen. Yeah, I'd say like the only times where it really feels like it wasn't your fault, it was the games, is the hand you're drawn. Yep, very true. Yeah, and very even true. then, like, I I can't remember whether it was an article I read or what it was, but about um, mitigating randomness of how like the longer you go in, on in a game, uh, like in a in a well-designed game um the less like the the less capacity for randomness you should um the player should be able to control like mm-hmm. in, in that um like the the longer you go in inside the spire the the smaller and more focused your deck can be so that even if you're coming up up against obstacles the the chances of you having an unrecoverable hand are less Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, um, I think that's a neat idea. Like, I think that's, um, cause no one wants to just get screwed over by a random damage that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and I think like for the most part, um, like the, you're right. The randomness comes from the cards that you draw and also like the, the rewards that you're offered. Um, but very rarely is it like, oh man, I fought that elite and that elite just wiped me out. It's more like, that might happen with bosses sometimes, but it can really just be like, man, that was a bad encounter. And then you follow it up with another bad encounter. And it's just like, mm. it just takes one or two mistakes. And then you are, uh, you know, at 20, 20 health, right? And you just can't come back. Um, so it's yeah. it's not necessarily like big RNG ruining everything it could just be you know a couple of bad hands um unfortunately that that really cripple you yeah no definitely i've had i mean i've had some runs that ended really poorly because of stuff like that yeah so yeah but um yeah i guess on another note like i think the game's really impressive graphically um oh actually that's a question did you turn on fast mode what is fast mode oh man oh i should have mentioned you this way earlier so you know how like things take time to do yeah like attacks play out and stuff (laughs) yeah there's a fast mode turn off the animations type thing It, it speeds them up dramatically oh wow i gotta turn that on definitely it'll make the experience much more enjoyable yeah i have to make on the switch um this is very odd but there were performance issues and really only only when your character dies the game freezes up for about five to ten, five to ten seconds really yeah every time you die weird i mean at least it's 
not at a critical point, but still. Yeah, it, it was I, it, a little jarring. But yeah, like the second you get zero HP, freeze frame, five seconds, and then it goes into like the, uh, then the rest the of the animation plays. So, huh? Yeah, that is strange. But it's got a great design. Um, it's got great music. Uh, thematically, it all fits well together. It's got some really uh, interesting uh, random encounters. Um, I always take the donut. I don't know about you, Graham, but I'm a donut kind of guy. Is that the one with the max HP? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's the banana, the donut, and the box. And it's like, ah, I don't even need to guess. I'm taking the donut. <laughs> yeah. Max HP um, is good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. um, yeah, the game has three characters they can play with. Do you want to kind of describe them, Graham? Yeah. So, like, the first one is the ironclad. It's kind of a more of a traditional, like, melee defense. Um, you can build up a lot of defense or you can build up a lot of strength um, to, like, overpower your foes. And it's got that benefit of you can, um, heal 6 HP every uh, every battle. Then there's the Silent, who is kind of a shifty, rogue-esque character that could deals um, lots of small damages with stuff like shivs and poison and stuff that can stack up over time. Um, and then there's the Defect, which has a lot of passive abilities, um, so it kind of builds, uh, it ramps up by having a lot of passive effects. So it's got orbs, which are um, like when you when you use a card, you can gain orbs, which will do a certain effect at the end of your turn, um, like dealing damage to enemies or giving yourself more energy to do play cards. Um, and it's, yeah, it's focused more on indirect damage generally. And they're making the fourth one. Yeah, I saw that. Free content, too, I believe. Yeah. Which is neat. Um, do you have a preferred character, Graham? Probably the Silent. Um, okay, that's interesting. Interesting. Okay. I really like the synergies with um, the Shivs and the Poison. Um, there's, a, there's a card called Envenom, which means that every time you deal unblocked damage, you apply one stack of Poison. Um... And the the one there's a few cards that will give you shivs, which are zero cost cards that deal a little bit of damage, but you can get a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So you cast an Envenom, and you're dealing like five or six stacks of poison on a turn. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff that can double your poison, and you can um like just pass like straight up add more poison to it. So it, um, I don't know, I, th- I find it pretty fun, but it's definitely more fragile. Yeah, the the Silent is probably the character I played the least, um, but I think the one I'm going to go back to, um, I really I really liked uh, the Defect and its passive abilities, um, primarily in um, like maintaining your shields and things like that. Um, so I appreciated, like, when you're playing as a defect, I found you're more 
it's more about building your orbs and your character up than attacking the enemies necessarily. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, uh, I also really enjoyed the Ironclad because it had that continual healing ability, um, which, I mean, I would say is like easy mode, if you will. Um, and where it's, it's definitely like, better for beginners. Yeah, and that's why he's the first character that you get. Um, but that would that allowed me to be more aggressive in that in that regard so mm-hmm. um whereas with i think silent and defect you have to be more uh apprehensive in each encounter uh be more conscious of the damage you're taking so yeah there was one relic that was awesome uh i think i had it with the ironclad maybe not um was right before you fight a boss you get 25 hp back so that mm. made that last bonfire like time to upgrade my skills right um yeah yeah so mm-hmm. um yeah i guess actually um so i played on pc as i mentioned um and so i've actually been playing a lot lately of modded slay the spire ah yes um i got um i've played a couple different characters um, one of them was like the character from Hollow Knight. Um, okay. And I found that one hard to get into. Um, but I played another one that's based off a bunch of different anime franchises. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. And like, like novels and all that. Um, and it was definitely overpowered, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was like, it was really creative. They could like different um cards would could synergize with their own franchises within their own franchises mm. so you could have a card from konosuba or from like all these different um franchises and it was it's the element of co- collecting your the characters you like but also finding these interesting strategies and using mechanics that the game already has in it in different ways um like I'm, I'm trying to think of like they used they used a lot of um they also incorp they inc- um created some new status types like um burning and um piercing i think there might already be piercing but anyways it was it's really creative and interesting and i think that's a uh, an element of slay the spire that's uh Really, quite interest, like quite, um, quite neat. Mm-hmm. It's got a, such a, it's got a pretty strong modding community and mm-hmm. uh, people experimenting with it. Yeah, the game also has like um, a custom mode where you can apply mm-hmm. different modifiers. Maybe modifiers is the wrong word because you're just talking about mods. Um, uh, variations to the game type to make it harder or, or uh, easier um, or change. Like uh, one mod I put or modification I put on is that you could. Each character has their own kind of decks or types of cards. Yeah. I played a game where I had all three available to me. Um, okay. Which cool. didn't help me at all because it, they're not, they don't really work together. <laughs> but uh, you might get your favorites kind of together. So it's, it also has like a, a daily challenge mode where every day yes. there's a different challenge, uh, with again different relics or starting relics or something like that to kind of give it that little spice of difficulty. So. Yeah, there was one daily run that I did that um 
it was every time you pick up a card, you add three copies of that card to your deck. Oh my goodness. So I ended up, after a certain point, I was just like, I'm adding as many cards as I want. And I think I got up to 80 or 90. Wow. And it was, awesome. um, it was pretty fun because like you, it, I kept increasing the size of it and then being like, well, I want this card to show up more. So I added more copies of it to my deck. <laughs> and uh, like I think it crashed and burned eventually, but it was fun yeah. while it lasted. Yeah. And this is something interesting here, Graham. I'm, I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Uh, according to Megacrit, that's the developer, the game's first early access release in November 2017 was very slow, with only okay. 2,000 copies selling across the first weeks. Um, this is the period in which most games sell the most copies. Um, it was not until a Chinese streamer featured the game on their channel that have had over a million views did Megacrit start to see the large rise in sales. Interesting. Uh, yeah, during during one week in January 2018, uh, Slay the Spire became the second highest sold game on Steam for that week. And by next the following month, they had half a million players. Wow. Yeah. So that really shows, like, the power of what a streamer can do. It's a, it's interesting, yeah. I wonder if they um, paid that guy a lot. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, streamers are, it's kind of weird, because sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it just show. It, it, I don't know. This past week, I've been going through like the PSN store and like the Steam store, and there's just so much content out there. I, I really do feel for smaller, smaller devs trying to get their get their content out there. Right? It's just like it's crazy. And then there's yeah, it's in, yeah. in addition to like there being so many games to play. There's also like so many streamers to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's just a lot of a lot of noise. So, I mean, kudos to them. They've sold a million and a half copies uh on PC alone before PS4 and Nintendo Switch. So, um I mean, that's that's impressive, I think. Mhm. Mm yeah, no, it's it's really impressive. So, uh would you recommend Slay the Spire? I definitely would. I I would as well. Um, to I think I think though it's it's for certain yeah for certain people it'd be type. better to watch. I think that's that's one thing about this game is that it's it's good to watch as well. Yeah, I have to I have to watch the Northern Lion, no, Lion Lion. I think. Um, I yeah, I, I think hear that's his how I found out about it. <laughs> yeah, so I think it would. Yeah, I think it's it is one of those games that you could enjoy because you are I mean I, I like I watch I watch a lot of let's plays um but some games lend themselves better to that format than others and I think this is one that would because it's just it's it's a bit slower and you kind of understand what's going on a little bit better so mm -hmm. yeah so hopefully one day I'll beat the game yep um I think you I think you could beat Act 3 I got close. I, I got close. I think you could. Two or three times. Um, yeah. I don't know if you could beat Act 4 without a guide, 
But I think you could definitely be that three. Yeah. So I just got to roll up my sleeves, uh, get a hotel room somewhere, and just play just in, in silence. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, um, I yeah, I think, again, um, I mean, I put you know, seven or eight hours in, but I, I, I could easily see somebody putting in tens and tens of like 100 hours into this game. And uh, yeah. for a thir- uh, $33 Canadian uh, price tag, I think that's very fair. Uh, fair, very fair value on the Switch or PlayStation. I'm not sure what it goes for on PC, but I, I imagine something similar. It's like 33 or something. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, I definitely would recommend. How would you... Uh, do you have any other comments, Graham? Yeah, no, I put um, I put like 50 hours into it. Okay. I think. Um, like just over time. Yeah, no, I I would uh, I'd recommend giving it a shot because it's there's a lot to learn, but it's also just it's it's a game where you have to think, but it's also you don't have to think too hard. I found, yeah, like especially once you kind of get into a rhythm, you can just kind of you know like listen to a podcast and play it or. Oh. I I think a lot of deck building games are like that. I think, like I I'm just thinking of like deck building games my wife and I play, like uh, like Legendary or like Dominion. It's like there there is seemingly a lot of um, information to take on when you first start, but once you get it, deck building games are all about repeating cycles almost and just like running through your deck over and over again. So. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just the nature of the beast. So it does take a little bit of time to learn, but once you do learn it, you just you get more efficient. So yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, how would you rate this on our scale? I feel like this is definitely like a, a Nauto. I think that's um, like detective thinking, um, mm. constantly learning new things about them. Um. And, uh, yeah, like a little mysterious, but, um, yeah, like very much a thinking, but it's fun. Okay. How would, how would you describe it? Um, I, I think I have to give it a GA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, not my favorite, not my favorite, but you no. know, I, I'd go get some steak with it. It wouldn't wouldn't spend Christmas, but no, no, not quite. I mean, I thought but, about it, but I, you know. <laughs> but definitely go get some steak every once in a while. Yeah, watch a kung fu movie. Yeah, just vegetate for an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that's I think that's how I would rate it. I don't cool. think it's yeah. Nauto. I, I spend Christmas with Nauto, but uh, not with Slay the Spire. <laughs> not with Slay the Spire. Yeah, man, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming up. Do you know what else is coming up soon? Uh, I think I know. The Velvety's? Yes, yeah, okay. it's um yeah, Velvety's 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> you could... Is coming up. It's coming up soon. And <laughs> um uh yeah, but like a month and a bit. Yeah, so we have two other episodes coming out this year, um, and then we're going to finish her off with the Velvety's. 
So it's six weeks from the release of this episode. Um, so I think it's actually like, it'll be like Christmas Eve or something like that. No. Really? No, no, no. Maybe like, uh, I don't know. I can check. check. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull up my calendar. Um, it's coming out on the 23rd, so Ooh. Christmas Eve Eve. Christmas Eve. It's actually, yeah. What you don't know is that Christmas Eve is actually velvety post Eve? Post, post <laughs> velvet. It's actually velvety Boxing Day. <laughs> it's a velvet. Velvet Box. It's velvety day. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, so um, and if you don't know, the Velvetys are basically our uh, kind of year in review. We'll talk about our favorite and least favorite games uh, that we played, that we reviewed. Um, we always try and throw in some fun, uh, some fun awards there. We do give out awards. Um, we call them the uh, Velvet Room Review Seal of Approval, uh, and we do in theory, ship that to the developers um, <laughs> at cost, of course. Um, it's a very exclusive award. So, um, yeah, and, uh, I, you know, Graham, this is the end of the decade. So I think we're going to have to have a special Velvety for best and worst of the decade. Mm, yeah. I yeah. don't know about you, but it's been a... It's honestly... It's been... It's I been a pretty good decade for games. It has. It's been a lot of change. I don't. I don't know, Graham. I feel like this year was not as good as last year. Would you agree in regards to new releases? I mean, yeah. Like last year had God of War, Spider Man, Red Spider Man was Red Dead Redemption Two last year as Red well. Red Dead Redemption Two was last year. Like some really big heavy hitters. Smash came out last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This year, I can't like, really think of anything that big. No, because a lot of stuff got delayed. Um, Death Stranding, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's been well. It's a transition year, right? Like PS or like the next generation is coming out next year, yeah. probably. Yeah. Well, so yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens next year. So. 2020. We're in the and future. Do you know what happens in 2023? Gynet? I mean, maybe, but um, that's the year that a, a Velvety will fall on Christmas. <laughs> Mark it in your calendars, everybody. Yeah, four it's, years from now. It's ac- it'll actually be known as the um, Velvet Mess. Um, Velvet, the Velvet Mess? For that one year. Um, the Lord's taking a sabbatical that year. <laughs> Baby Jesus is going on holidays. Yep. Everyone's opened up Velvety's for Christmas. <laughs> you know, we're coming upon two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years of the show. So, thanks everybody for tuning in. And uh, do you want do you want to kind of preempt them with what's coming out next? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. Next up will be, in no particular order, um, will be Uncharted 4 and the, correction, Outer Wilds. Mm. Not the Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds. Yes. The space 
exploration game. No, that doesn't narrow it down. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> the came out in October. Oh, wait a minute. Yep. Hold on. <laughs> um, it's open world. Nope. It's the cheaper one. <laughs> <laughs> but not worse. Um. Yeah, it's the one where you're exploring a galaxy on repeat. Yeah, I think I think the gameplay concept is similar to that of Minute, um, which I loved from last year. It was one of my favorite games we played last year, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I love uh, I love space, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. And it space. came out like October twenty fifth, twenty fifth, I think. So very recent. Um, I think I think we could be their Chinese streamer, Graham. I am not yeah. gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll broadcast it. Yeah. Out in, out into space <laughs> in our radio waves. Uh, yeah. And then Uncharted Four, I'm ex- excited to play because three was a blast, and I said, man, I gotta play four. So. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Are you gonna replay, or have you? Yeah, well... I better beat the game and return it to you pretty soon then, eh? You will have to figure something out. Okay, I'll figure it out, because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it back to you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll yeah. figure it out. Well, this has been our review of Slay the Spire. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you again uh, for listening, for uh, tuning into the episode. If you have any game suggestions for 2020... Uh, please let us know. Um, we'd love uh, listener input into uh, what we should play. Some of our favorite games, uh, like Celeste, um, is one of them. Uh, the not Pirates of the Caribbean, but the one where you're in the Caribbean. That Pirates. one was good too. Pirates, thank you. Um, was also fan uh, suggested. So um, we definitely. Yeah, no. Definitely uh, welcome them. Yeah, for sure. Um, but until next time, uh, tell your friends to have a listen. Um, if you know the like, game that we've reviewed, uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That helps us out a lot. And uh, we'll see you in uh, two weeks' time. All right. See you then. <laughs>